Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Michael Rosso. We're here at the Film Photography Podcast. Today I'm here with the Rootin' Tootin' Midwest Gang. Right, Leslie Lazenby. Hello, everyone. Uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Howdy. And Mr. Matt Marash. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's very rare I get the Midwest gang in at the same time. There's always some, you know, cross pollination between the Jersey boys and, and the Midwest guys. Let's uh, start off with a letter. Mail's in. Matt Marash. Oh. Hey, Mike, you know, we have a lot of FPPers who. They look out for us. You know, they, they make sure we're well-informed, whether it be a new product, a show, anything like that. And, you know, going through our listener letters, uh, a few names float to the top. I'm going to call out, initially, Mr. James Thorpe. We, now, we've had listener letters from him in the past, but I have, I have a, a short stack. Okay, stack. From, from Mr. James Thorpe, but I'll... Uh, I'll just I'll summarize because I want to go through each and every one. But, you know, he's just great about keeping us in touch with, you know, just, just some neat little things that are going on. And they're things that, you know, when I'm browsing them, I'm like, is this worthy talking talking about an FP? No, it's definitely worthy because we got to let people know. New products, new packaging, things like that. So the first one we got, and this one's a bit on the dated side, but uh, James wanted to let us know any of us that are doing alt process, specifically Mark D, maybe maybe even Leslie. Uh, there's a gentleman that's making and coating fresh dry plates. So dry plates are the uh, alt process that that followed the wet plate process. Photographically, it's a little bit slower than wet plate, but it's a lot easier because you can pack a few in the dark room and travel with tra- it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit further. You don't may- maybe need a donkey with a dark room on its back. Uh, to make it happen, my darkroom roommate, Mr. Stephen Takis, he he's a dry plate practitioner, and I get to see uh, the fruit of those results all the time. It's uh it's pretty cool. So uh, he sent us the link to it, the link for the and these are dry plates coated by Mr. J Lane, and the website is pictoriographica.com. So Pictorio, P-I-C-T-O-R-I-O, and then Graphica, G-R-A-P-H-I-C-A dot com. And for those who don't do their own processing, nor do they want to on the dry plates, they can send them to our good friends at Blue Moon Camera and Machine. Mm-hmm. So he said he looks forward to giving that a shot. And then... We'll get back to Mr. James Sarp. He has one, he has one other update for us. But interestingly enough, not too long after James tipped us off, do we get a letter... From Mr. Jason Lane, Jay okay. Lane himself, explaining to us about the entire process and what he's what he's offering. Um, gave us a link to his site, so this is uh, this is pretty cool. They're made in the USA in Brookline, New Hampshire. Yeah, he it since uh, through the end of 2018, he's coated just over 10,000 dry plates. Pretty neat. Mark, are these on glass or on some other substrate? The dry. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Plates meter ASA 2. Make my own emotion in plates. Let me just double check. Prep and coat. Uh, 
I believe these are on the tin, or like the uh, trophy oh, remover. Like Let me double tin? check. They might be on glass. Oh. oh, that's actually a really good value. No, they are hand-coated glass dry plates. Okay. Um, let's see what sizes he offers to the online now, shop. Oh, I was going to say, because he does do custom, too. Yes, and he sells the accessories, like the drying racks and ah. things to hold them. Oh, he has some dealers. He's got a Canadian dealer, a German dealer, U.S., Blue Moon, Boston Sullivan, Freestyle, mm -hmm. and glass. our friend's glass key photo in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah, okay, cool. Pretty cool. Oh, wait, here, he's got an Etsy, Etsy shop to buy them direct. I think this is what I saw initially, was the Etsy store. So now he's got, he's really kind of blossoming out into like full-on retail here so he makes quarter plates whole plates half plates four by five five by seven eight by ten six and a half by nine or six mm. plates postcard plates three and a quarter by five and a half he's doing it all this is pretty cool well, you can take those postcard ones and put them in the old kodak um Folding cameras that take those, and it would be really cool. Nine by twelve plates. He he really does anything that <coughs> would have been used to make dry plates. You can uh, you can make it. He's gotten a lot of good five star reviews, and people posting out good results. This is neat, and the price I would say is pretty fair considering it's glass. So a lot of the boxes, uh, of course, I, I instinctively clicked on the eight by ten plates. <laughs> five plates glass. And everything you need to shoot, ISO 2, 5 is 80 bucks. I'm thinking if this comes in under a hunch, it's going to be a good deal. It's a good 80 deal. 80 bucks. Yeah. Nice. It's good stuff. And you know, for folks at home that haven't tried one of these processes, if especially dry plate, the detail, the sharpness that you can get on a dry plate like this, insane. Nothing, nothing quite like it. Leslie. But if you have a large format camera, mm -hmm. you cannot just put a dry plate in a regular holder. In a yeah. regular holder, correct? You, you can modify a holder. Mr. Bill Schwab had a little tutorial on how to do that a long time ago on the blog. But you typically want to use something like an old Graflex pressure film holder. Uh, if you're hearing this now and going to go on eBay, I've got bad news for you. The price on those is pretty bad. Thanks, wet platers. Um, <laughs> there are folks that are making their own wet plate and dry plate holders. Chamonix makes one for too much money. I talked about them on the podcast a long time ago. Mr. Jody Ake uh, makes makes them uh, in California. So there's there's options, but this is not a I'm going to buy a roll <laughs> and play around with it kind of thing. You're, you're going pretty all in to get into this type of photography. And remember, it's ISO 2. It's quite slow. But pretty, pretty neat stuff. Mike. You talk about being able to go online, buy some dry plates, these are for folks who, at home, have a 4x5 camera, a 8x10 camera. Or an old folder, like an old Kodak folder, vest pocket. It's something that can take uh, take individual uh, plates, or you could potentially load it into the the, the back. And so let's say my 4x5 camera. I buy yes. a dry plate. Does it fit in a standard holder or to have something something special it does not especially because these are glass you're going to need a specialty plate holder and the plate holders are typically a little bit thicker and they will have a larger spring in the back of it usually one or two metal springs that will the plate will kind of push down into and that's to maintain the pressure because if the uh, the plate has a certain thickness that holder has to put it in just the right place because even if you're a millimeter off all that focusing you did on the ground glass is for naught. And does the come with a little cheat sheet so you know like what is the ISO of 
a plate. Oh, yeah, speaking. yeah. He's, uh, he states it himself. It's thoroughly tested at ISO 2, which if you are wanting to experiment and make your own dry plates, you can buy those, the, the pre-made emulsions, or you can test your hand at making your own emulsion. That is really tricky, hard-to-do business, even if you're very experienced in wet plate. Dry plate is a whole different beast, and these are tested. If, if Jason has made over 10,000 plates, I'm going to trust this guy to do anything on a piece of glass over even even some of my wet plate buddies. He he knows what he's doing at this point, and he's he's scaled it up. Terrific. For folks listening who are like, what? I don't get what, it. What is? Um, if you're thinking about getting into more traditional, you know, super traditional camera on a tripod, 4x5 camera, 8x10 camera, here's my encouragement as a shooter, who myself, who does not get out enough. I don't ever sweat it. Because your investment, it is an investment. You will not lose any money. If you today invest in a camera, I am, I am pretty confident in the next five, six, seven years, you're, you're not going to lose your money if you buy a, a, a quality camera. No, and especially in the – it's kind of counterintuitive, but especially in the smaller sizes, the four fives, because yeah. that's, a, that's a big enough camera, but it's also um, readily available enough that you can – you can kind of get out right. easily. The large yeah. stuff, that's it gets crazy. Yeah, don't feel like pressured that you're making this large investment. If you want to try it, even if it's a phase, like you said, Matt, you could pull a parachute, you can get out, and you could just put your, your camera on eBay, and you'll get your money back. Yeah, very, like mo- most of it. It's not like the, the digital stuff. You know, A new camera comes out in two months, and you're taking a bath just because yeah. you didn't shoot your camera. So well, thanks. That's an awesome letter. Yeah, no, thanks, uh, thanks, James, and thanks, Jason, uh, for pointing that out. And I got one more little shout out from James. This is like fresh. Oh, fresh! Like, like hit the mailbox, fresh right before we read it here. I saw this announcement because I, I still follow uh, a few businesses on on the Facey Space and Twitter, and <laughs> one of them is uh, is Adox. And for folks, I, I know I've probably ta- we've talked about this a few times before, but Adox. Is is a really great traditional, uh, you know, German over-engineered filmmaker uh, over in over in the UK. You can order uh, from Photo Impex online, yeah, and you have to place a pretty decent size order. But you can get some really neat films for still less than if you wanted to wait until the the U.S. retailers have it and mark it up price-wise. And James wanted to tip us off. Uh, Adox has announced they're releasing their sheet film sizes again. And this includes, of course, four by five, five by seven, eight by ten, and if you're if you're impatient and didn't get your Ilford Ulf ultra large format orders in in time, they also have ultra large format sizes in stock. The Adox stuff, you can kind of dip your toe in. So the the Adox gives you the biggie sizes, your larger than eight by ten or your your specialty sizes in ten sheet boxes, which is really neat because paying for twenty five sheets of something you maybe don't know you don't like yet is it's quite a now now we're not talking investment. Now we're just talking crazy money. You know, like <laughs> just money that is is definitely going into a hobby and not coming back. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, James. Let's uh, go on the uh the letter spree. Let's continue oh, with letters. Okay. Well, hey, Mike. This this is one you might be able to, to help me out with. All right. This is from Tony Skokovic. Skokovic? Skokovic. Hello, FPP crew. I'm a hobbyist photographer and have been shooting film only a few years. Discovered your podcast through an FPP sampler pack I got for Christmas last year. 
Since then, I've gone through a few roles as FEMA and Orwo films. I really like the look of the FN64 and FPP400. Question I have is on the stability of supply for both Filmatech and Astrum. Are they still producing these emulsions, or are we running through an old supply? Both these manufacturers have a great product, but a web presence that throws doubt on the viability of their operation. Is there any insight you're able to share? I ask this question because supporting an ongoing operation is important to me. What's this gentleman's name? Uh, this is Tony in Toronto. Tony, there are a handful of like folks like yourself, a handful who just need to know. Like It's sort of like me getting the emails. Like, I received an email just last week where it's like, Hey, you guys carry Svema, but the, the factory's locked down. Like, I keep getting that email over and over. So I went to my supplier. I found the, the town and the country, which was where the old Svema factory was. Mm-hmm. Like, here's where we get it from. I don't know why people think boggles the mind that, yeah, if that factory's knocked down, what makes you think they didn't just move <laughs> to a different building? Like, what is people so stuck? I think it's the it's way more intriguing if there's, like, a grander theory. You know, they're not applying the it Occam's that razor easy. to it's it. It's a new it's word. Yeah. theory photography. Yeah. No, it is. It's like it people really move. <laughs> Things and, happen. And brands get, hey, man. Okay, I'm here. You can start. <laughs> And Mark Dalzal just walk in. Brands get assigned, like Polaroid here in the U.S. Like the old Polaroid's gone. That old the old buildings are gone, but it got assigned. Kodak was assigned. It's just the way things are. That's for you. So I would say, yeah, it is. Tony has a bit of the film sweats because he's worrying about the film infrastructure collapsing and what the sustainability (laughs) is. But I'll let Matt answer this, and if anyone else has to want to chime in, the thing is, Tony. How could we possibly know? For example, Kodak, which is called Kodak Alaris, the company, they seem to be doing well. Uh, we're selling lots of film. They seem to be selling lots of film. But tomorrow, I can get that email where it's like... Sorry, that, guys. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's any... You know what it is, Mike? Answer. We're, we're into... We're, how many years are we into this now? Ten. ten we're ten years in, double digits. We are now big filma. <laughs> You know, we're so like we're so, we're supposed to have the answers about this sort of stuff. Hey, man. And uh, the the fact is, you know, we're we're enthusiasts just like every like all of you guys out there. Hi, Mark. Hey. I don't really know, and I'm always and also you have to understand from my perspective. Although FPP has accounts for all these companies and buys all this film, very little of the inner workings is you know. I'm not beer buddies with these people who run these companies. No. Like, very little of corporate stuff is shared. It's sort of like uh, Dave Northrup, who's now here at, uh, you know, know, those film media guys. Yeah, they share space with you now. Dave worked for Deluxe, Color by Deluxe. It's part of uh, a Burbank company. And it's like they, it was a huge facility that handled all sorts of uh, encoding, of film, uh, uh, post-production services. Just one day, the call came in, and three months later, everyone's just fired. Yeah. No rhyme or reason to it. The, the, that branch was profitable, but somewhere along the line, someone just makes a decision. So I would say that these questions, like Tony's question, is, is it's sort of like things that are out of your control. It's sort of like me saying, you know, 
someday I'm just gonna die. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that's not the, that's not a good answer. That's, but I don't you know, know. Yeah, but I don't know when that's it's going no to. No longer profitable, so we're gonna just our That's what God says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at it as just shoot it and enjoy it. Yeah. Stock up if you want, and but you know some of my favorite films in the past, the companies are still around or whatever's left for them, and they drop those films. Now, I can't sweat about it because, hey, when it's gone, it's gone, and you you just use it while you've got it. I do understand Tony's need and want to support an ongoing thing, though, but at the, at the same time, you have to recognize kind of where you, you, know, you stand in, in that chain of it. So shoot just uh, shoot what you can of it. If you like it, shoot more of it. That's and kind of way back up to his question. These are fresh films. These are not old stock. This is not discontinued warehouse stuff. Yeah, the the whole Ukrainian film situation. Uh, listeners, shooters are, keep getting stuck on that, insisting that the Svema, yes, the, you know the the Soviet Union is no longer, but clearly film is still being made. And I think I think a lot of this is really outside of our hands. We always think like film for us. We're shooting so little film. Me, you, everyone listening. Compared to the world. We're talking about companies, including Kodak, delivering film to governments, to scientific. That's still to space. That's still going on. Even though the world is dig, there is enough production so that these films, this is my opinion, that these films are being manufactured. So, like the the new FPP Derev film. I mean, that's an aerial film. That's being used for some type of military surveillance. No company's just going to make it for you know us. No, we don't you shoot know, enough. You know, we just don't shoot enough. So, yeah. I think it's a much bigger thing. And I think the same applies to Fujifilm and FP 100C, oh, yeah. which is that was a vibrant uh, ID business. Mm-hmm. The majority of the Apple customers cameras, were, yeah. c- were countries buying massive quantities of films to make IDs. And at some point, the digit conversion just kept chipping away at that. Yeah. And then one day comes where they're just like, we can't make it anymore. And then, you know, the thousands of artistic shooters of it don't mean anything. It's, it's terrible. Kind of makes you sad. We're all just we're all we're just, all just we're sitting all here just like grains of film in the emulsion of life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark. All we are is dust in the negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're on a letter roll here. Hey. Thank, thank you, Tony. Uh, it's a good letter. Yeah. It's an interesting letter. It's a thought-provoking letter, and we're doing the best we can. And I would say, um, for folks out there listening, and there are a lot of shooters who or hoarders who will buy that, you know that. Body-sized freezer, <laughs> you know, One and bodies or two, or two or three yeah. bodies. and buy a ridiculous amount of film, and then you just you have it for your supply. It's your vault, and then you don't have to worry about the emulsion going away. You just keep buying it. Survivalist, yeah. Survivalist. I, I have recently entered into the world of film survivalist. I, I grew out of the just the food freezer. And uh, have gotten a two-body freezer. It was no, the smallest. Like, I know. But it, you're shooting eight by ten. That's different than thirty-five. You know how many sheets you- that thing can hold? <laughs> Are you hoarding a lot of film? I, well, I didn't think I was. Okay. <laughs> and then the girlfriend was like, "Hey, can we get like you know ice cream? Can we make room for like <laughs> one hamburger." Yeah. yeah. Oh, you needed a separate. I needed a separate operation, but yeah. now, but now it's like, oh, what's that humming? Like, I, I can't win. Yeah, I'm a yeah. super hoarder. I have, like, I was just commenting on Instagram a couple weeks ago with somebody about the FK25, and I have a stockpile of that. I shoot about one roll a year, and I have about a 20 year supply if I keep shooting one a year. Who am I to talk? I've got three fridges. Yeah. Well, 
at the shop. I have the freezer at home. Multiple locations. But I needed it for retail sales. Sure. Yeah. Next letter. Big film. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is just great. Uh, this is from uh, Dixon Lou. Oh, yes. Ah. Just listen to podcast 213, where Matt <laughs> mentioned he felt like I was burning him with the Pentax Auto 110. I never had the note on that, Dixon. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was just kidding. That is the greatest little... Uh, little package all together because it, ha- it didn't just have the 110 and the FPP tin. You know, the yes. little FPP. Now the, that's the dog treat jar. So when they hear that rattling, FPP. Oh, cute. Um, no, that uh, Auto 110 was sweet. I still had some leftover um, Lomo Tiger and I shot through some of that. It was uh, it was pretty neat. And, you know, holding that up next to an 8x10 slide, there's quite a dichotomy there. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. It Maybe was, you should post one image. One on your Flickr. Maybe I should. No. Okay. <laughs> it's very curated, Mike. No. Yes. Uh, but no, uh, Dixon, it thank you so much. The, the camera works. It was great. Um, and I, I like the results for what they are um, when I brought that into Midwest. So did I tell you Midwest has like this film is taking over, Mike? There's a lot of like younger, cooler kids now. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Tom. He's, he shoots film. Matt's uh, another gentleman named Matt. Matt Seal. He shoots a lot of film. Uh, there's just all half of half the kids there now shoot film. It's great. So they they flipped when they saw the one ten. It's pretty cool stuff. Is there a second really one by Dixon? There is a second one. This by is a scary one. This is a scary one because Dixon will buy something. He will buy something at Goodwill, mm-hmm. and then it seems like this. Where did the, where did this package get sent? Oh no! Exactly. Oh no! Is right. He sent it. Oh. Uh yeah, he sent it. It was sent in sixty five uh, from from the Goodwill. Not sure why they have me as a recipient, even though I specifically use your donations as the address. So shipping information <laughs> it went to Dixon Lou, but here in Fairlawn. So I bet it's the guys next door. <gasps> yep, they got not those people. They got up on the, the corner sixty five. Oh, well, so the guys next door. When they open the box, they open the box in Nikon plastic. In your neighbor's accent, what would they say when they open that box? Where I'm just like, do a voice, (laughs) do a voice. How is that my problem? Yeah, but you 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 just you got you accidentally got my camera. Uh, It was that my problem. Okay, there you go. (laughs) I just want my. So they see a box and it says Dixon Lou. What do they say? How is that my problem? (laughs) That's all they say. That's great. Dixon, the camera is either next door on this side. Or next door on the other side. Why it isn't here, I don't know. I but you were saying that he sh- they shipped it to his home. No, they no, shipped, shipped it to here. Attention but him, but at oh, no company our, our name. address. So oh. it just says this address, but Dixon Lou. Yeah. So we're going through donation cameras. There is some hope. We're going through th- donation cameras, and we may, if we see a Nikon N seventy five, sixty five, yeah, N sixty five, we'll know it. It may make its way here. Oh, man. Those donations. Uh, big shout out to any folks that have taken the time to pack and ship their beloved film cameras that have potent- <laughs> hopefully been tested. Uh, if not, we test them. So many cameras. Every- Mike, every time we, you know, I'm out here, there's just a new, a new row yep. of donate. It's crazy. Oh, speaking of donations, I did hear back from the instructor at the LaGuardia School. Yes. So it's thumbs up. So that box you guys packed will go out today. The last time you guys were here, we sent the package out to um, Richmond, Virginia, Richmond mm-hmm. Community High School. Uh, and I have um, some more letters from instructors. The FPP school donation program, it's, it's in full swing again. 
And ooh. Energy boost. Is that homemade fudge? What is this, homemade? It's Nanaimo bars. I made them last night. Mama Mama bars. Mama, yo mama bars. <laughs> Nimslow bars? What Nanaimo. Nanaimo bars. They're just made out of butter, butter, chocolate, British butter, Columbia. coconut, graham butter, 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 chocolate, butter. And sugar and butter. I'm going to put it on a little platform. Good, right? <laughs> is that Leslie? Is that Leslie? <laughs> Are you okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Coconut. Coconut. Yeah. What do you got there in that uh, that package? Like a book. What do you got there? Which one? This one? Yeah, what's that one? This is turning into a letter of Palooza, which I love. Oh, man. In 10 minutes, we're all going to be completely wired. We all have to eat them at the same time. How much oh, sugar do you put in these? Man. Oh, man. Sugar. Oh. Sugar City? Oh. How much sugar do you put in them? Sugar, t- sugar County. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a package from? From oh, our back. good friend, Mr. Johnny Bryan. Oh, Johnny Bryan. I'm going back, man. Oh, in, in classic. Oh, wait, 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 hey, go back there, get that hug. Chicken dinner. What we got there, Matt? In classic Mr. Johnny Bryan fashion, we have a very well composed typewritten note. Manifesto. Typewritten. On some really nice stock. I think this is crane. Did he sign it? Because it would be with a fountain pen if he did. This is some Cranes 100% cotton. Love it. Stock. Hand, yeah, hand signed. So this was uh, wishing us... Oh, jeez, Mike. Where did what? you unearth this from? Oh, what's the date? <laughs> 2017. No, stop! When I say whoa, I mean whoa! Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, Johnny Bryan. <laughs> um, that one was on my desk under a pile of papers today. Oh. When I printed out the emails, I'm like, oh, wait. I knew I had some stuff that was just mailed in. I think I remember back to when Johnny was making making these, because I follow him on, on Facebook. But uh, these are actual black and white darkroom prints on Ilford postcard oh, yeah. stock. Cool. And these no are, kidding. These are sweet. I, I love that paper. I don't think that is currently available from Ilford. There might be some new old stock floating around, but it was just the best. I had a chance to print out uh, for my very first show when I did the barbershops on that paper, and it was great. Uh, was your first show? I remember the barbershops. The Ilford uh, postcard stock was the RC Deluxe. It's their double weights, pearl mm-hmm. finish. It's just the good stuff. See, I don't think Kodak ever made postcard stock in RC. No, and that's what made the Ilford so popular. Yeah, you theirs could was Coda Brome or Coda Bromide. I don't yeah, remember which could, it was. You can fire off a show in record time with this oh, RC what? Pearl. Yeah, to have a big old. Oh, that's a beautiful the shot. The thing is, about time, there is a lag. Mm. Uh, I attribute it to, like, the, the, like the, I call it the Columbia House theory. When you get your card in the mail for Columbia House. <laughs> You may have to explain what that is. Now. What is Columbia House? Is that oh, coffee? What is that? Columbia House is a record and tape club from the 1970s, probably through the 1990s. And it was the craziest thing. And everyone got involved because mm-hmm. for one penny, they would send you like 11 or 13 LPs completely for free. Mm-hmm. But And they, have to, they are free. But then you're in the club. Uh-oh. And then every month you get a card. And a brochure, and there's a record of the month. And unless you send that card back, you get that record. And then you owe them money. That's right, and then you owe the money. But it was on a leapfrog effect. So you get the thing in the mail, you get the card, you'd forget about the card. Of course. And then you get the next month's package, 
And then that the then then that LP would arrive. It was on like a, and they actually had a picture with a leapfrog with like an arrow. So when you don't send that card in, it take another month for that LP to arrive. Look what's coming in your mail. It says get eleven albums for only one dollar when you join the Columbia Record and Tape Club. Terrific. Well, I'm about to tell you how to go this offer one better and get 12 records or tapes instead of 11 for that very same dollar. First, look inside. You'll see over 300 great albums. It's easy to find 12 you want because you have a choice of all the top labels, the music and performers you want most to hear, like Chicago. Baby, what a big surprise. The Carpenters The Captain and Tennille And Stevie Wonder, James Taylor, Kiss, Barbara Streisand The list goes on and on Now, to get your 12 records or tapes for only $1 All you do is look for the secret gold box This one, right on the savings certificate Secret, you bet Yeah, so what you're saying is we need to Man. do this with uh, with funky films. No, uh, Mark, would you hand me that blue bag right there? See it, the aqua it's blue. This month's Columbia House. <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. Carol King. Tapestry. What happens is so Johnny <laughs> Bryan. What happens is like you sent your card in. It almost needs to mature. The mail. You know. It, so here's a bag that Leslie Lazenby gave me. I'm going to say Leslie gave this to me in. I forgot I even used By that the look on her face, this was a while ago. Oh. 20. Oh. 13. 14. I've been wanting one of these. What the heck did I say? That, that was the dark cloth. Right? This is, what do you call these <gasps> things? That was the custom dark cloth. Focusing cloth. The hood. They surfaced. This <gasps> is a, a large format. Oh. Um, Focusing cloth. Hand embroidered, weighted, sweet dark cloth. Leather. You put it over your head on your large format camera so you could focus. It's embroidered. Leslie just handed this to me. Mm-hmm. It was a, told me how great idea it is, and I put it in the bag and put it on a shelf. So the point of this whole thing, a very long, meandering conversation, is this is thought out. Leslie, this has the, the hooks and everything. No, it's would... it's sweet. It's really sweet. So Johnny Bryan, when you send your letter in, don't be you know like uh, send yeah, it. don't but, get offended. I get ignored too. Yeah, it just takes a little time for it to kind of but. That's so much care put into that letter. It's there is. hand-typed, mm-hmm. thought put into it. He always, he always puts that extra special Greatly, touch. greatly appreciated. Uh, likewise, you guys are talking about paper, and now that I have multiple 4x5 cameras, I think Joseph Brunches gave this to me years ago. It's called Harman Direct Positive mm-hmm. Paper. Oh, yeah. And do you, do you not own any of these, Mark Delza? Not the Harman. I still have my Galaxy. Yeah, oh, so do I. I got it yeah. in 5x7, so it would encourage me to use my 5x7 Linhoff. So I could... It didn't. That just correct, would not work. correct me if I'm wrong. I could load this in my camera, shoot it, yep. then process it in Dektal. Yes. And I will have a positive printed Ooh, yeah, that's... Print. Right. That is... Uh, that's paper gold you got there, Mike. Really? Is it still yes. made? No. Oh, get out. Very hard to come by. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, my, uh, my darkroom roomie would... Uh, Kill me. Dark well, maybe. maybe. Hey! I'll stab you! 
It's time to wake this show up. No, like, no Stephen, that's what he worked on was the direct positive. One of the photographers, FPP listeners, friend of FPP, who does amazing things with the FPP infrared film in cheap plastic cameras is Lorraine Healy. Yes. She's, she's got some mm-hmm. really, really neat pinhole work. Yep. She does. Beautiful work. And she stays in touch. And most recently, <laughs> she sent us her new book, which I love the title, Mostly Luck. Yes. Mostly Luck, Odes and Other Poems of Praise. So I think, I don't know how I first got hooked up with Lorraine. I think it was Twitter. I saw she was using a lot of the same like hashtags, the, I, the film photography hashtag and the Believe in Film hashtag. And there was, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. There was a giveaway or something. She mentioned she listened to the podcast. And all of a sudden, a few weeks later, I had, a, I had her first book in the mail. Oh, nice. Yeah, so she sent that over. And then, uh, no, this is great. A prolific writer and poet. Uh, this, the last book I, I have on my shelf, and I would like to say this book was addressed to myself and Leslie. Ah. So, Leslie, this is for your bookshelf. Yes. Lovely, because I do love reading uh, reading the, her writings that go along with it. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Ode to July. Not my favorite month. I might skip right. that one. <laughs> skip right to Ode to Mark Dalzell's Crab Fest. Ode to October. Ode to a peach? She wrote this for me. I love peaches. <laughs> no. Ode to Garlic. Yes. I, I will briefly talk about garlic, very briefly. <laughs> and there's Ode to Octave. Very well. I am of the arm. belief that if you take a garlic clove, just chop it into bits and put it on top of whatever you're eating raw and eat it, that that garlic will blast through any, like, incoming cold, flu. It's just garlic is, I think, a miracle, and I'm not afraid to smell. <laughs> I, and like today, I'm not on garlic. I'll, 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 I'll pace my days. Like if I know I'm just coming in the office, I'm going to be rolling. Your neck, yeah. So I, I, I ate like when I, I eat like two cloves of garlic, and that's powerful stuff. It really comes through your pores. I went to visit my parents. <laughs> my dad, he grabs me to the side. He's like, um, I just want you to know, you stink. <laughs> that's what he said that's great i'm like dad i, I did too much garlic yesterday and he's like he's like are you sure i don't know it doesn't I smell good under the overpass yeah mike's drug of choice garlic yeah so it's i love garlic. powerful beautiful garlic yes you sneak a clove in between podcasts i do when we come back we're gonna have a little bit of a canothon here oh can't you put her in the bathroom I'm doing my show. No, you can do it by yourself. I'm doing my show. Canon is proud to be the official 35mm camera of the 1984 Olympics. Like gold medalist Jennifer Chandler, it takes precision to perform at this level. Here, the Canon AE-1 program performs, capturing Chandler's high-diving artistry through Canon's high technology. And it's so simple, you'll flip for it. Canon's AE-1 program, so advanced... It's simple. Enter the Canon Olympic Go for Gold contest. You could win this exciting 84 Pontiac Trans Am. Hey, we're back. I'm going to pass the mic to Leslie Lazenby. Great. Will you be doing two Canons, the A- A1 and A2E, or that's separate? That's separate. I'm going to go right with the big, bo- right with the, the big boy, the mighty Canon A1. The Canon A1, take it away, Leslie. Wow. You know, oh, do you recognize that lens? Oh, yes. Yeah. You bought that for me for my birthday. Oh. <sighs> 
I was talking about some other cannon, and I don't know what cheesy lens I had on there, but Mike couldn't take it. You got to have this. He goes here. No, this anyway. is my favorite. This is the one one point four SSC. Yes, you and I were talking about this camera. Not this particular one, but the Canon A1. And uh, with regards as why this is such... There's so much sugar in this, it, I, my ears are starting to ring. My heart is just screaming. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to go get some nitro. <laughs> Mike and I were talking about the Canon A1 in regards to why this is such a cult camera today. We ought to do a segment on this. Well, I'm thinking, great, but I don't have one. But I'll tell you how I acquired this one later. The Canon A1 was the first in the A-series. It was the flagship of the A-series. The AE1, the AE1P, the AT, the AL, all of those A-series cameras. And Canon introduced this series as an option for their customers to compete with, not compete with, a complement the F-system. It was a consumer grade with less features in the F and also a lower price point. But especially first in line of these series, they built these things like tanks. And I'm going to tell you, it has really rather remained the flagship of the Canon A series. But it's, you know me, you know me, I have got to do historically important, faster, first, this, that, and the other thing. And this is a historically important camera. It's the first SLR to have four exposure modes. Whoa, what did it have? What did it have? Manual. Okay. Great. Manuel. Okay. Manuel. Aperture priority and shutter priority and program. Full electronic program. So why does why does the AE one like just get so much more love than this camera then? We're gonna get to that. Okay. I'm gonna tell you my theory on that. Hold the don't let me forget. And <laughs> <laughs> he's holding that thought. Um I call it feature rich. I hope I don't say that too many times as I talk about this, but this thing is a feature rich camera and it made the sales of this camera boggle Canon's mind. This thing skyrocketed. The introduction of the T-series, which followed the A-series, did not come close Mm -mm. to what this A-series did and how it impacted photography today. So this this particular camera I mentioned had four modes. I kind of lied. It's got five automatic modes. It has full manual, shutter priority, yeah, 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 program. What is program? That's pretty cool. Aperture priority, and it has stopped down aperture priority so that you can actually put it into that mode, stop your lens down, and get a constant visual feedback of your depth of field. Is that what they call on their DSLRs now, the ADEP mode? Is that what they changed that And to? see, that's the importance of this. We're still using these things on digital SLRs today. They carried today. it over. Yeah. They carried over because they were so darn good. Another really cool feature about this Canon A-series, the A1, is that it not only accepts FD lenses, it accepts the newer FDN lenses, mm. most of the earlier FL lenses, and even some of the R lenses for those uh, canomatics. Believe it or not, some of those canomatic lenses will work on here. Typical two-stop under and over. So even in the automatic modes, I don't have to go into manual to override my exposure. It has an exposure memory lock button that's on the side of the camera. So that as I compose, I can hold it in. I'm right-handed, the advance and the firing button's on the right side. I can hold this in with my left hand. My exposure's locked in, recompose my picture, and take it. The viewfinder display, it's big, it's clean, it's easy to see, and it can be turned off. You don't have to have the readout flashing at you the whole time. 
there is that's, a, that's an interesting feature i've never heard of that before no and i found i tried it and it follows along in my segment so i'll kind of skip it when i get there but putting the camera into program because i'm pretty convinced that program is going to do well for me it's going to choose the right numbers turning the finder off made me only look at my image all i did was concentrate on my image not the numbers, and away we went. So it's kind of really nice for, like, street photography. Just turn that off. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking that extra second to check those numbers. Turn off your targeting computer. That's right. It has something called Dial Guard, and that's not a deodorant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a lot of of little dials on here, AV mode, TV mode, and they're all very close to where your fingers rest when you grip this camera and hold it properly. And not all that hard to accidentally spin one of those dials as you're taking pictures. You can lock the dials in, and you won't move them. That was a really a good feature. This is one. This is I've always did this the hard way. This is super, super sweet. Sweet. Getting big again. Everybody's liking, liking to do multiple exposures. Mm-hmm. This is so, so is that easy. Right? You take your first picture, shutter button. The advanced lever, your thumb advanced lever, goes all the way in against the body. And if you look down, there is another little lever underneath it. And when you flip that that little lever underneath the thumb lever, you see a little red dot. It doesn't stand for Leica. It's a little red dot. Now I can fire away. Oh, I just unlocked it. You can fire away on this camera as many exposures as you want. And the film does not transport or does not move. But it allows the shutter to be cocked each time. It isn't. You're not moving the film. And then when you're done, just flip the thumb lever back out, and you're in regular mode again. So the multi-exposure thing, that also is really brilliant. Yes. Fire away. It only came in black. We know what that means. That's perceived value. Mm-hmm. Because only professional cameras came in black. You paid more for them, and it cost them less to make them. The package... As you bought it, also a smart thing at the time, the typical lens that came with this was the 50mm 1.4, a 1.8 or 1.7. It sold for around $625 new. What year? 78, I believe. Okay. I can't believe I didn't mention that because I always Anybody else have the uh, money calculator, 1978 money today? I can tell you, $2,400 today. Whoa! Still worth it. That's for the 50. I think it's a stunning camera to look at. The build quality is exceptional. At first, there looks like there is a lot of buttons and things on this camera. Once you familiarize yourself with them, they're where they should be. Nothing seems to be uncomfortable or in the wrong place here. But, you know, before keyboard commandos, there were verbal commandos coming into your uh, photo store looking at this saying, It only goes up to a thousandth of a second. (laughs) You know, some of your competitors go up to one two thousandth of a second. It's pretty darn rare that I use one two thousandth of a second, but... That was the that's a point. That's the point they made. That I think was the concern with the program. They didn't trust it to make both choices, but uh, apparently not because of the sales of this thing. As I mentioned, were just phenomenal. The manual mode drove them a little bit crazy too, because the camera only told you in the viewfinder where you should be, not where you were. 
Some of them tell you both, or they will tell you this is where it should be and where you're at is over or under. So they felt that that was a little lacking in information as well. Now, neither one of those things bothered me, but i got to tell you what made me just a little darn nutsickles when I used (laughs) this thing was... Language, please. (laughs) AVTV? Wait, where's my A for aperture priority, my S for shutter priority, my P for program? Can's got to be special. Well, they had to be special, but then they got unspecial. I have to think of it like this and how they meant it. AV stands for aperture value. Okay, that's the aperture priority. I've made the connection. I got it. TV stands for time value, time shutter speed. I've got it now. Interesting. Uh, you can either flip those two switches on the camera, flip them back and forth, and see the number option that it gives you, and you figure it out. Or you can go to Butkus and download a manual and read Who? about it. Who? What's his first name? Mike. Mike Butkus. B-U-T-K-U-S. Butkus. Manual Haven. Manual Free. Haven. Donate, he has please. manuals for the MPP technical camera. It's He's got everything. He, it's, it's amazing. God bless him. <laughs> so... Uh, My theory is the reason why the AE-1P is a more popular camera than this is because they went to A, aperture priority, S modes for shutter priority, that kind of thing. A little bit more as we think of it today and those people buying a camera like that today, they're already familiar with that. They don't get thrown off by the AV TV Mm -hmm. thing. You know, on the retail side of things, I jump for joy when I see an A1 come in on trade. Because it almost never has that wheezy shutter. Mine's the squeal. This, mine's got the squeal. Well, it's, uh, no, it's kind of charming. I like it too. It's charming. It just the cannon cough. Emphysema's charming. <laughs> it is, that's the one. <laughs> Why do you suppose cannon is plagued with that? It's almost like it's built in. Almost. It, it, it takes a little hurt. time to do it, but yeah. You get used to it. It doesn't hurt the shooting. It's just it's just a funny sound. It's those horizontal claw shutters, man. <laughs> no, because a lot of people have them. Um, no, a lot of people were not super fond because it didn't go to one two thousandths of a second. But what it does is it goes in the other direction. Two full seconds, four full seconds. Most go to one second, and then it's B mode. Count it down yourself, girly. <laughs> the first time I used this camera, I really appreciated it because I was shooting on a tripod, and I was using those numbers. It was dark, Christmas light type of thing. As I mentioned, too, the viewfinder, I did turn off and use the camera without it just for a couple shots to experience it. And it is interesting not having any information except for your visual image in there. And you just just really almost immediately think different about how and what you're shooting. It's almost a little bit relaxing and zen. It's just you and the image. That's how I feel focusing at a camera that doesn't have like the split circle or, oh, or anything. Oh, yeah, just, just the, the mat. Just you and the image I love that. are one. <laughs> when you do turn it back on, though, it is the ultra cool, and I've always loved these, the red LEDs from the 70s and the 80s, that's what you see in here. That printout is delicious now i've not had the camera very long i already really enjoy using it the build quality and the speed i'm very impressed with my camera came from my friend Stephen bassett in southern california and i suspect it's always been a southern california camera and i rather expected this thing to cough up a hairball the first time i used it because it was 20 degrees 
in Ohio, and I'm taking this little Southern Cal camera out, putting it on a tripod, and I just know those shutter speeds are going to be gummy. They're going to be too long. Were they? No. This thing is like off the shelf. Cool. It was amazing. That two seconds I counted it out. Went the, wow, that seems like it's right on. The four, that seems like it's right on. It, this is not, because usually when they lag, it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. This takes the classic uh, PX, PX28 uh, battery, fits under the grip, and they did not change that through the majority of that A-series. I'm not sure if they all take that battery or not. I know the A1, A1P does, most common. But uh, as as mentioned, the insight into this camera and the features into this camera still affect our cameras today. DSLRs, they're all using this. Everybody, they just, I knew at the time, other manufacturers hustled because they did not have these advanced automatic modes, exposure modes, and it was like a tear down, rebuild thing. Let's get with it. Canon did it, so can we. And this is something that Mike just talked about, and I don't know how well this will hold up. Today on the Bay, you're going to pay about $90 to $100 for this camera. Two years ago, $50 to $60. Yeah. Now, how long will that last? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say it has the investment qualities or features. It's maybe. very reasonable for this quality. <gasps> this is steel. Yeah. It is really a steel. I, I highly recommend, if you have an A1 and you see somebody that offers you one of these for 20 bucks or whatever, I, I highly recommend getting it. It's a joy to use. It's just a classic piece of camera machinery. I'm thrilled to have it, and thank you to Stephen Bassett who said, you, you can keep this, you don't have to give it back. And I said, well, you know, I'll note it. If you want it back, it's yours, but I'm really glad to keep this. I really enjoy yeah. using it. That is the beautiful Canon A1, and even though I'm very pleased with it, and I'm sure you have noted my positivity here, I still don't feel like I have emphasized enough how much this influenced the industry and what a great camera this is. Thank you, Leslie. I don't know who had a better day, John Newcomb or me, because his great shots are mine, too, with my Canon camera and Canon lenses, like a wide-angle lens, or this telephoto. Make shooting close, clear, crisp, or the zoom. Canon quality from out far to in tight. For me, it's Canon and only Canon, in a flash. If you're shooting for pro quality, Put a cannon on your cannon. For cameras today to shoot your way, it's shoot and shoot for every camera need. Shoot and camera downtown on Wacker Drive at LaSalle presents the most versatile cannon ever, the computerized Canon A1. This extraordinary 35mm camera gives you six different exposure modes, five automatic, one manual, each for a different application. For fleeting expressions, fast-moving subjects, or any kind of action, the Canon A1 offers shutter-priority automatic exposure. For landscapes, architecture, portraits, or any still object, use the A1's aperture-priority automatic exposure. For carefree, foolproof photography, use both modes simultaneously with the Canon A1's programmed automatic exposure. For more specialized types of photography, the Canon A1 offers stop-down automatic exposure. For indoor or night shooting, add a Canon Speedlight, and the A1's automatic exposure system will give you perfectly exposed flash pictures automatically. And for creating that special mood, the Canon A1 also offers full manual exposure control. All exposure information is clearly displayed in the viewfinder's digital readout. The versatile Canon A1, now at this incredibly low Shutan price. 
Shoot with the best. Your cost is less. It's Shootan. Shootan. For every camera need. Shootan Camera. Downtown on Wacker Drive at LaSalle. And now, did you hear those sirens? <laughs> the doctor has arrived. The doctor is in. Leslie Lazenby. <laughs> Pen out of the pocket. Let's get this puppy rolling. Got a little message here. It says, my lens will not focus close enough to small things. A friend recommended getting an extension tube. What are they? Which one do I need? Some come in groups. I find the numbers so confusing. Which lens do I use it with? Okay, now slow down, buddy. Let's just take this one question at a time. I'll break them down. Which one do I need? Yes, a lot of times they do come in groups, groups of three, like a 12 millimeter, a 24 millimeter, a 36 millimeter. Or you can buy just a single one. All you need to remember is the higher the number, the closer you can get to your subject. You can also stack three together and get even more magnification. Next question you flew at me. Which lens does it go on? Technically, it can go on any lens, but start off with your 50 millimeter lens. These are typically made for viewing through the lens, single lens reflex type cameras, not just necessarily 35 millimeter. Also 120, but anything has a removable lens, so you can play with them. Stack them up, put different lenses on them, and actually see what's going to happen. So that's not so limiting. You get a little preview on that. But I do recommend starting with 35 millimeter cameras, your 50 millimeter lens. If you have a medium format camera, start with your 80 or 90, your normal lenses. But you can't even use them with 28s. But if you put them behind a macro lens, you're going to get a micro lens, which is pretty fantastic. How do you use them? And this is probably the trickiest bit of using an extension tube. When you use an extension tube, you take your lens off the camera and you put the tube on the camera first and then the lens. If you're using more than one extension tube, it's best to put the tube on first, put the next one on, then the next one on, rather than making the tube of three in front of you and attaching it, or rather than attaching the tube to the lens and then putting it on your camera. You need to put the tube on first and then stack them up or build your order up. You can remove them in any order you like and disassemble one at a time, the whole group, it doesn't matter. And why is that important? Because these extension tubes actually couple with your lenses, meaning they also couple if you have a metering system in your camera and you have to make sure that you put those lenses on so that they reach or grab or connect with the coupling as you're turning and mounting the lens. And if you pre-assemble them, they may not be lined up. Advantages and disadvantages. Now, you really didn't ask this question, but we know that you can buy close-up lenses to put on your camera. And they really do two different things. Close-up lenses that attach to the front, like filters, they are filters, allow you to get closer, but not as close as an extension tube. They will reduce the minimum focus of a 50 millimeter lens that maybe is 24 inches down to 18 or 12. They are stackable too, but they are pieces of glass that if, you, if they're dirty, 
we're talking close-up lenses, if they are dirty, they're going to degrade your image. If you stack them together, that's three more pieces of glass that if you purchased an inexpensive set, three more inexpensive pieces of glass, maybe not coated on the surface of your lens. Whereas that extension tube has no glass in it. So you are using the um, glass that you spent money for. That glorious original 50 millimeter multi-coated lens is still going to give you all of its advantages. Both of them, extension tubes more than close-up, will require more light. If you have a meter built into your camera, it's really nothing to worry about because that as I mentioned, they do couple up with your camera's metering system and the lens itself so that when you choose your f-stop and fire, it'll stop your lens down and do the things necessary to give you that proper exposure. And that probably, probably is it. If you need to be really close to something small, you need extension tubes. If you just have a lens, such as I know Mike really likes to use a plus two close-up lens, uh, holding it in front of the debonair because it doesn't have a super close focus. And he uses, I believe, a Koken on that. And with Koken, you always bought them individually, so he just has a number two in his arsenal. So yes. extension tubes get you extremely close, allow you to maintain the sharpness, do require more light, but I'm going to tell you it's probably also a wise thing if you're a dig shooter because a lot of people today are digitizing their negatives and they may not have the close-up capabilities on their SLR, DSLR. You can throw an extension tube on and use your glass. And I'm seeing uh, questions, anybody? Comments? Mark? As a long-time macro shooter, I think one of the things that people sometimes just don't realize is that, yes, they're getting really close to their subject and in the macro realm, then every, every little bit of movement is magnified as well. Absolutely. So you sure. really want it when you really need good lighting on your subject. So today, that's a lot easier than it was 20 years ago with all the LED ring lights and all that that are out there. And those are good accessories to have to get light on your subject. But the other thing you really want to do is also have your camera rock solid. If you're doing um, nature photography and you want really close up macro, you really need to use flash because then your moment of exposure is a very narrow slice of time with a flash. You can get away with doing it handheld. If you're using ambient light or a low power light source, you really need to have some sort of tripod or monopod or something to keep the camera from shaking because especially if you go beyond extension tubes and decide to get a bellows, then that's even just as it's like having variable extension tube in the front behind your lens. And so, again, you probably need to use a tripod. So just uh, some good uh, practical advice from Leslie. And I think that if you are really interested in doing macro, macro, macro photography of any sort, extension tubes are probably the, the cheapest way into that without spending a lot of money for a macro lens. Two questions. Uh, first, I've only used extension tubes on my old Canon FT, which is a fully manual camera. Mm -hmm. So what if you have like a newer, like a Canon EOS type camera that's a little more electronic? Are tubes available? And number two, where would someone get uh, extension tubes in 2019? 
I would probably, my first option would be, is if you have a camera store like Midwest, uh, if you're in Ohio, they may have them in stock. If not, you're going to have to go to the internet. And I probably immediately would go to the Bay, uh, eBay, to buy them. And there again, I'm just thinking if they don't come in a set of three and I'm really looking to get close, you're going to go with that 36 rather than a smaller number like 12. And they typically don't have problems. So it's not like, oh, they probably didn't test these out or did test them out. They're pretty fail safe. They, they really, unless they're dropped and ran over by a truck, they are probably going to work for you. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Ta-da. Take a quick break. Listen to this Canon AE-1 commercial. When I shoot a great champion like Ben Crenshaw, history can happen at any time. And that's why I stay ready all the time with my Canon AE-1. The zoom lens puts me right where the action is. So if Ben gets that one miracle shot, I get it too. Ben, you try the zoom. Sure. Even with the zoom, the Canon AE-1 is as easy as focus and click. The incomparable Canon AE-1, so advanced, it's simple. Hey, when are you going to crack open those deliciously salty Fritos? Oh. Okay. Does anyone remember uh, the the Frito-Lay uh, 1972 WC Frito commercial? They no. they took nope. the W they took WC Fields yeah. and they incorporated it into a chip spokesman. Ah, WC Fritos here. I recall crossing the Great Plains in a wagon, a station wagon that is. We were besieged by a band of restless desperados. I suggested we surrender the gold, the munchie nugget, Frito's brand corn chips. Fill their mouths with peaceful joy. If you gotta travel, you gotta take Frito's corn chips. Sitting here just glowing. <laughs> Basking in the, the day that anyone, anyone other than myself would be talking about the Canon T60. It's a camera that just gets people look at it and they they don't. I've been shooting with it for years now. I own two of them. It's my go-to Canon camera. Mm. I love it, and never in a million years where I thought anyone other than myself would know how awesome it is. This is me thinking that Mark O is going to do an awesome review. Just for the record, yeah. I went through a period back in 2009 and 2011 or so, even though I was an Icon user, I, I really thought I deserved to give Canon some love, and I went through a series of Canon cameras. Um, last fall, my friend Connie... Um, texted me, and she was at an estate sale of a photographer. And she said, there's a bunch of stuff here. And uh, and I said, well, send me pictures. and Because if you're not a camera person, it's kind of hard for them, to, for them to tell you what's there. So she sent me some photographs of what was at the estate sale, and nothing turned me on. But then there's this Canon T60, and she said, oh, it's, it looks like it's brand new. And I said, how much is it? She goes, 10 bucks. And I said, well, I'll pay you for it. Mm-hmm. So she picked it up, and she gave it to me as a Christmas present. The, the Canon T60 came out after Canon had already switched over to the EOS system. It was the last manual focus FD mount in 35mm um, that was sold by Canon. It was introduced in 1990. And so it was, like, it was well after the EOS was introduced. But they... People were clamoring for an inexpensive uh, FD mount camera that they could use in schools and so forth. And I'm sure that there are people who are also saying, you know what, 
I like my Canon T series cameras because they're they're really nice. Like there is the T sixty, the T of course before that there's a T fifty, and it, what was the other one? The T seventy, T seventy, and the T ninety. T ninety was a pro camera. T ninety was like the bomb. That was yeah. the that was the beefy one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The T fifty and T seventy look like. Betamax VCR remote control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. And one of those, seriously. and I think the T50 was totally automatic. There were no manual modes in it. And there was a ill-fated uh, T80. Oh, really? That had an autofocus lens that oh, okay. I, I haven't even been able to find one. Okay. Um, it was designed as a cheap, cheaper camera for export. It was never sold in Canon's home Japanese market, which is interesting. In some foreign markets, the higher price of the EOS cameras was a problem. And so they, this, this is probably a, a, uh, a compromise. It doesn't share a whole lot of, in common with the other T-series cameras that we just alluded to because the T90 was a pro, heavy-duty thing. Mm-hmm. T50 was totally automatic. The T70 had little push buttons. And it was. And this one is part of the reason for that. This camera was not made by Canon. It was made by Cosina. Mm-hmm, see. And there are a bunch of body, bodies that um, share very similar features that were made by Cosina. And if you look at the top deck of the camera, and without looking at the Canon label on it, which is... Um, just screen printed on the top, you would say, oh, yeah, it looks like a Cosina or whatever. This is probably the same basis for the Nikon FM10, which is not made by Nikon, but also made by Cosina. And in general, I mean, we, it's easy to kind of like look as, askance and say, oh, it's a Cosina. But you have to remember, Cosina made the Bessomatics. It made the Bessar cameras. They are not crap by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, they're mostly plasticky bodies, but so are a lot of cameras that were made by other people in the 90s. The one thing it does not share with almost every other Canon camera that I've held is that the main feature is its aperture priority. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're using a Canon AE-1 or AE-1P or almost any of the other camera, Canon um, F- FD mounts, aperture priority is, if there is any ap- priority modes, ap- it's, it's shutter priority. For some people that, is, you know, it's shutter or aperture. Some people have a preference for which one they like. I've always mm-hmm. been an aperture priority kind of guy myself. So, mm-hmm. And <laughs> it also, the top deck has uh, on the control dial, it's got a lock button, which is which is interesting. And it goes from bulb and one second to one one thousandth. You put it in aperture priority, it's pretty easy to use. And the, the flash sync is, is a slow one sixtieth of a second, which is a little surprising. Um, the ISO goes from 25 to 1600, which is for a student camera. I mean, this is pretty pretty good. See. And for most people, that's within the range of what we shoot. It's rare that we shoot 3200 film. It's lightweight. It's got a self-timer button on it. I think that as time goes on, maybe some of these cameras won't last as well as some of the other cameras in the Canon series, like the AE-1, which we just discussed, or the A1. But... In general, if a cam, if it's if you've got one of these cameras and it's in good shape, unless you drop it on the floor or something, it should be performed just fine. This one is is very nice, nice new looking camera. So, I'm shooting with it, and I opened Mike's eyes to that I have a much richer camera pass than he's aware of. It's it's a lot of fun. I've got a 50 millimeter 1.8 on here, and uh, it's probably just all you need to go out and do a lot of shooting with. All the other camera that that shares the same body. Um, in terms of features, would be the Olympus OM2000. Yes. And also the Konica, I think it was the TCX, was the other one. And uh, it's based on the Cosina's 
CT1 chassis, basically. If you see one of these and it's in good shape, I mean, don't don't sneer at it. No, it's uh, definitely no sneering. A, it's a it's a good definitely a, as a student camera. It's it's really a, a going to be a good buy because they don't go for a whole lot on eBay. And uh, and as far and I've been doing some searches lately, and they turn up pretty frequently. So this is a ten dollar uh, purchase. Um, so uh, can't complain about that. The other difference is this has a metal bladed shutter because that was a Cosina thing, and they had a Copal Square shutter in these things. Far different <clears throat> with those squeaky wheezy Canon shutters from the other. I'm just happy that you shot with it because so few people that I know shoot with it and it gets sneered at and just yeah. brushed off. So well, it's not a real Canon. All it is, it's, yeah, you know, it's take a Canon lens. It's easy to shoot with, isn't it? It is. It's easy. Yeah. And as a as a Nikon person, this reminds me of like a Nikon FE, for example, yeah. because it's aperture priority. Now, oh. because you were gift to this, do you think see yourself keeping it? I'll hang on to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Can you give a quick product review of that? So I handed Matt a – I'm not that knowledgeable on LF, large format. But I saw this and I said, oh, this is a roll film back for a 4x5 camera. Yes. Very cool. So can you smash or trash it? Yeah, no. And what, is it, what is it called and what does it do? Sure. So this is a Calumet, um, this is a Calumet 6x7 roll film back, which means any, any large format 4x5 camera – um, doesn't even have to have a graph lock back, just has to have a spring back. That's a very important factor because the old graph locks film holders did, don't go in spring backs. They go in graph lock backs, which have the two clips, top and bottom. This can go into any large format 4x5 camera. Drops in, same area as a standard film holder. It's got a locking plate. This one takes... 120 or 220 film. Oh, that, that, really? Yes, because it goes, the counter goes from 1 to 20. Okay. Yeah. And it, so it has a, a variable little pressure thing here, these little, little pressure deals mm-hmm. where you put that in and it allows you to run through 120 or 220 film, which is pretty neat. Not a lot of 220 film around, of course, but the, my only beef with these type of film holders, my two cents, if you're going to shoot 6x7, get something smaller, 6x7. That's a pretty hefty crop from oh, yeah. 4x5. Um, you're getting a similar aspect ratio, but this is, you know, this is when RB shoots. RB, RZ, Mamiya 7, things like that. So. Pentax 67. Pentax 67. Hey, this will work way longer than Pentax 67. Yeah. How, um, how many uh, exposures per roll 120? Oh, so, sorry, 120 is 10 exposures. So it's your standard film spacing uh, like any other 6x7 camera. But the versatility here is, of course, with 4x5, you have uh, the, those inherently longer focal length lenses so you have that large format look you can apply movements but you would have to have something marked on your ground glass that approximates the crop so you could do that with tape and some people will want to use like opaque tape but you don't have to do that you can use sharpie on your ground glass or a temporary fix which is kind of cool you can just take some clear tape so take some invisible tape and when you put that on your ground glass, what will happen is that area of the ground glass becomes unusable, but it makes a nice little barrier line on that. That's how CNR and uh, Arca Swiss did that. If you're doing some rapid shooting and let's say you're, you're crown graphic, do you need to keep the dark slide in at all? Can you just kind of leave it out and just keep, you know, full rapid fire? Yeah, as, as long as you're... The range yeah, if you're shooting rangefinder, if yes. you're shooting ground glass style, you know, as soon as you flip that lens open, you're going to be exposing. But it's got a pretty nice long dark slide. Um, 
I'm not as big on the Calumet style holders themselves are fine because they're pretty cost effective. You can pick them up. I just don't like six by seven. I really like six by nine or six by twelve on four by five because you're getting more. You're using more of that area. I like six by twelve. It's got a nice form factor on there, the one to, one to two ratio, so it's kind of longer. But as far as roll film backs go, these are, are a nice, cheap pickup. You can usually get, you know, you don't usually want to pay more than 50, 60 bucks for a roll film back. Uh, but anybody that wants to have more versatility in their film stocks, remember folks, there's far more roll films available than there are sheet films. Sheets. Is this hard to load? No, I could load it right now. <laughs> I already have it set up. That's the take-up spool. That's the take-up. Where do you put the... Oh, I the see. The other one goes there. So what you do is you feed it through under that black plate. Lift up that black plate from the roller. Oh, look at that! So it loads underneath and then loops back around into the take-up spool. And then those little those little pressure nibs, those two nibs. little... Those two little... No, Only no, goes no, one... Oh, yep, these? Yes. Yep. Lift those up, and that's what applies the, the pressure. Oh. And then it only goes one way. Only goes one way. Once you close it, once you move it from the S... Put on S. No, great. Close it. Oh, okay. Now, this only goes like... You'll have to wind it all the way through anyway. So just go ahead and wind it till it stops. So this is what's nice. It's pretty automated. Yes. So now, once you make your first exposure, you hit it, and now it's... You're to two. And you will have to manually hit this button after your exposure? Yes. But that will also mean you could double expose and do some other stuff. I can't die. I have to go through man. Oh, that's kind of weird. What? It's fun. But it's... <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's a alternative to the, the Graflex ones. I'm a bigger fan of the Graflex backs because they're smaller. But those are... They're beefier, so you need to use a Graflock back camera. You Oh, you feel it get light? So, you know in my well. case, where I'm using a converted Polaroid 900 rangefinder, that's pretty sweet. I slant like shoot pretty wide and take a step back because it's going to be cropping in pretty tight. Yep, you want to see it now? Thanks for joining us, folks. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Please do uh, shoot us a letter, an email. Uh, send us send us a something in the mail. PO Box two six four Fairlawn, New Jersey zero seven four one zero. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you super soon. Cheap burger.
give me everything on top I'm getting deeper Dance, I need cheap burgers I'm getting deeper, just I need cheap burgers. 